Welcome to the Hope City Church Podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. Give a Bible. Open it with me to Matthew chapter 6. I sure hope you have some kind of Bible device. My real preference is that you have a paper Bible because those are just the best. I, I don't know about you, but obviously everything is going more and more digital. I have learned for myself that I don't retain as much information reading from a screen. It's just something that I've noticed personally. Maybe that means I'm getting old. Does that mean I'm getting old, Jacob? Okay, that's <laughs> old school. I have to, um, I think I'm what they call a tactile learner, which means I need to touch something. I need to make notes. I need to make doodles, and it helps me retain information. And so when I have a phone or my iPad, I can't, I just, it's not the same for me. I have, I honestly, guys, I'm telling you the truth, I have a really hard time grasping the information. And honestly as well, these things, it's not going to be long before Bibles are, are labeled as hate speech of some kind and they are outlawed or banned or you've got to go to like some black market and be like, hey, you, you got any Bibles on you, man? Like meet some dude in an alley in a van, a, a creepy van that you would normally stay away from. Now you're meeting men in vans to buy Bibles. It's going to happen sooner or later. So I would, I would encourage you now to make sure you have some kind of Bible that is paper and pen. And also, while we're at it, while we're talking about it, I would encourage you to have multiple translations of the Bible. And here's why I say that. Because most of us, what we do is we read from one translation all the time. And you, you get it stuck in your head and your heart. And when you read a new translation, it forces you to have different thoughts that maybe you wouldn't have had if you were reading your regular translation. So I would encourage you, I think at home, I've got about eight different translations sitting on my shelf that I periodically go through and just read different things, different verses. I'm always comparing uh, different verses in the Bible in different translations because it all says it differently. And sometimes it's just provokes new thoughts in you. And we're all for having new thoughts about the Lord, are we not? Okay, Matthew chapter 6, are you there? Great. I'm going to continue on from where we sort of ended the 11 o'clock service last week. The 9 o'clock service didn't end the same way the 11 o'clock service did last week. Who was at the 11 o'clock service last week? Okay, a handful of you. And so at the end of the 11 o'clock service, I just felt that we need to take a moment and pray for people uh, that were carrying burdens in their life that they needed to let go, uh, particularly towards other people, hurts and wounds and offenses that had gotten inside of their heart. And it led me to where we're going to talk today. And the title of my message today is Let It Go, okay? Let it go. Look at your neighbor and just say, let it go, man. Or woman, who, whoever's beside you. You have, to, you have to fill in the gender. You only have two choices, though. Let it go man, let it go woman. Those are your only two choices. And uh, just fill it in there. Let it go is what we're talking about. And Matthew chapter 6 is where we're going to start. And this is what we call the Lord's Prayer. Some context for you. Back in the days of Jesus, it was very common for a rabbi or a teacher to have students and disciples. And, and one of the things that those rabbis would do, those teachers would do, was they would teach their students things like how to pray. And so in one of the accounts of this, the Lord's Prayer, one of the disciples comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, will you teach us to pray like John taught his disciples? 
And so what they would normally do is teach them some psalms to pray. They would teach them some of the things that Moses said or the, the song of Miriam or things like that. And those were the things that they really prayed. Jesus comes along and says, yes, I'm happy to teach you to pray. And he brings out a new prayer that is completely contrary, completely, not contrary, but just completely, it's like a whole new concept. It's not something that had been written before in scrolls and that people could find. This is the Lord coming along saying, yes, I will teach you how to pray. And it's a new and living way. I am introducing to you today a new form of prayer that forgets the things of the past, that leaves those things behind and showing you a new and better way. And so he begins to go in this prayer, and this is where we're going to start today. Who remembers saying the Lord's Prayer in school? Who did not grow up saying the Lord's Prayer in school? Oh, wow. The young people. <laughs> you young people. It was like grade one when I stopped saying it in school, just so you know. So I'm almost young too. Uh, yeah, so we grew up, and whenever we would have like public assemblies, we would, we would always start. It was crazy because it would never happen today. Obviously, and it doesn't. We would grow up. You would start your public assembly by saying the Lord's Prayer, and then we would do the national anthem in French and in English. And did, did them both. But that's how we always started public assemblies. And so here we are, the Lord's Prayer. We're going to read this together. It's a little different. I'm in the New Living Translation. Uh, we all have it memorized. If you said it in school, you have it memorized from the New King James, correct? Because that was the Lord's version. And so we're going to read it in the New Living Translation today. And then we're going to jump in here some thoughts. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. And may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need, and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. We're going to focus primarily on verse 12, and then we're going to jump down to verses 14 and 15. Because today what we're going to talk about, that I told you the title of my message today is Let It Go. And today we're talking about forgiveness. In Matthew chapter 12... There is the account of Jesus being accused by the Pharisees of having the power and the ability to cast out demons because he's from the devil himself. And so the Pharisees say, of course you can cast out devils because you're from the devil. And Jesus, in his smart thinking, says, basically, this is my paraphrase, that don't make no sense. If I'm from the devil, why would I try and stop the work the devil is doing? Then he goes on and says that any kingdom that is divided against itself won't stand. And so we know that the, the enemy doesn't want unity in the church, doesn't want unity in your family, doesn't want unity in your relationship. He wants to bring division and separation everywhere he can possibly try. Correct? Have you ever found that the devil shows up and just wants to make things great for you? I just want you two to be the best of friends. Jacob and David, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do everything I can to make you guys the tightest dudes, the best cousins ever. No, he's always trying to find some crack, some way to get in there and bring separation. And, and I've learned this about, about human psyche and the way that we think. Can I just use you two as an example? This is not about Jacob and David, okay? But the way this normally works is we think that division creeps into the body 
the body of Christ, or our relationships, or our, our jobs, or whatever, we always think of it in context of division comes because so-and-so did this to me. It's always what was done to us that causes the, the division, correct? We don't ever think of it in context of, I have done this and caused division. It's always what somebody else has done to me that has caused division, right? That's pretty much how it always goes. We're always thinking about it in the context of what was done to me. And I'm saying this to you because my thought is this. Many times, division comes in the body of Christ in the form of unforgiveness, whereas you choose to not walk in forgiveness to the person who did the wrong to you. And when you choose to not walk in forgiveness, then comes the separation and then comes the division. Are you following me? Aren't you so glad you came to church this morning? Seven people said yes. Everybody else quickly looked away and glanced at the ground. <laughs> please, please don't look at me. <laughs> we went to the mall in Vancouver yesterday because that's what you do on a hot, sunny day. We drove to Vancouver. We were in Pacific Center, and we were walking around downtown inside the mall, and we passed, we passed two people in the span of about five minutes inside the mall. And you've probably seen people like this as well. And... Uh, the one guy that I'm picturing right now in my mind, he must have been in his mid-70s-ish, maybe a little bit older than that, and he was hunched over like this, and he was walking, walking forward. Um, and now, he, he wasn't a drug addict, he wasn't living on the streets, he was just, he was like a normal guy that had some kind of physical deformity, some kind of physical ailment that, that caused him not to be able to stand up straight any longer and not to be able to walk ahead in life looking directly ahead. I was actually thinking about this morning about how frustrating it would be to have to deal with that because I was, I was actually thinking, I wonder how that guy gets things off of the top shelf of his cupboard. And in my mind, actually, this morning as I was getting ready, I was thinking, and I could picture this guy in my heart crying because he couldn't get to the top shelf to grab a glass and the frustration that he must have felt. And as we were passing him yesterday, oh man, Jen said, Jen said, I want to pray for that guy. I just, I just see him, and I want to pray for those guys. And in my mind, the sentence stopped there because that's the Christian thing to do, to, to pray for people. And I assumed that she was talking about physical healing. But then what she said was, I want to pray for that guy just so that his burdens are lifted off of him. Because in Jen's heart and mind, he was bent over because of the burdens that he was carrying in his life. And immediately the Lord spoke to me and said, Jake, there are many people in the kingdom of God that are walking around and they spiritually are bent over like this. Because they are not walking in forgiveness, and because they're not walking in forgiveness, they're carrying burdens around on their back that are too heavy for them, and they can't stand up straight. And I almost just started crying there when I was telling you about the picture I had, because I don't believe that picture that, the God, that God showed me of the guy reaching up and being frustrated and crying, 
I don't think it was really of him. I think it was many of us in a spiritual state where we are so frustrated, so hurt, so disappointed that we are walking around deformed spiritually where we can't stand up and be who God's called us to be. We can't do things like get the glass from the top shelf because we have allowed unforgiveness into our hearts and that unforgiveness is causing us to be hunched over and bent over and we can't walk in the fullness of all that God has called us to walk in. So in chapter 6, verse 12, when Jesus introduces this revolutionary new way to pray, one of the things he says is forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And the literal translation of that, of that wording is forgive us in proportion as we forgive those. So basically what you're saying is God Forgive me of my sins to the extent that I forgive those people who have wronged me. How many of you want the Lord to wholly and completely forgive you? Well then, according to Jesus Christ, it requires that you walk in holy and completely forgiveness to others in your life. Don't get mad at me. I didn't say this. This isn't the book of Jacob. This is the book of Matthew. And these are the words of Jesus. Look at verse 14 and 15 with me here. Jesus goes on, and it's interesting to me that out of all the sections of the Lord's Prayer that he gave them, he stops to go on teaching about forgiveness. He could have talked about God being in heaven. He could have talked about God's kingdom coming and his will being done on earth as it is in heaven. He could have talked about what it really, this is what I really mean when I'm talking about give us your, our, our needs, our, our, your daily bread, give us the bread for today. He's like, I could, I could really talk about that. But he didn't talk about any of those things. The only thing that he went on to talk further and expound on was what forgiveness looked like in your life. And buckle up your seats because it's a real page turner. Verse 14, he says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. If, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But, everybody say but. If you refuse, say refuse, to forgive others, your Father will not forgive you your sins. The word refuse means that you have a choice in the matter. And Jesus is saying, if you choose to not walk into forgiveness, God cannot forgive you of your sins. Hallelujah, praise you, Jesus. If you choose to walk in offense, if you choose to say, I'm going to hang on to this thing and allow it to define who I am. 
If you choose to say, you don't know what that person did to me in my life. You don't know what they did to our family. You don't know what they did to our job. You don't know what they did to our house. You don't know what they robbed from me. You don't know what they stole from me. You just don't know. And since you don't know, I am choosing to hang on to this unforgiveness in my life. That's great. You choose to hang on to that. But here's the consequences. Here's the result from you choosing to hang on to it. God can't forgive you of your sins. And when God can't forgive you of your sins, the next step in the logical progression is that there is separation between you and the Lord because God cannot be where sin is at. Forgiveness is a really big deal to the Lord. In fact, your salvation, all of this, your faith hinges on forgiveness. On you accepting by faith the forgiveness that you have because of the work of the blood of Jesus on the cross. Forgiveness is a cornerstone of the Christian faith. It's a party up in here. Shibui! Church on Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about this. What is, what is forgiveness? Good Lord, I've got 12 minutes left. We're going to talk really fast all of a sudden now. What is forgiveness? In the Greek, the word forgive is aphaemi or something. Let's just go with that. It means this, to remit the penalty of sins. The example is to pardon, to forgive the debts, to forgive the faults, to forgive the sins. And remember the word sin just means this. Literally, it means missing the mark. So to forgive the sins, to forgive the blasphemy, to forgive the evil speaking, to forgive the trespasses, and offenses, to forsake, to lay aside, to leave, and to let alone, to let be, to let go, to omit, to put away, to send away, remit, suffer, and yield up. I don't know about you, but there's not a lot of loopholes in this verbiage for you to find a way that you don't have to overlook these things, that you don't have to forgive these things. Like, forgive pardon, forgive the debts, that's the debt that somebody has that you feel like they owe you. This person robbed me of this. This person stole this thing from me. They owe me a debt. Have you ever felt like somebody owed you something? Guess what? You get to forgive the debt. Have you ever felt like somebody has like sinned against you or or blasphemed you, or spoke evil of you? You ever felt like somebody's talked bad about you? You ever felt like somebody's talked bad about you to your face, or talked bad about you when you weren't even in the room, or they were telling stories out of school about you? Anybody ever felt like that? Guess what you get to do? If you want Jesus to forgive you of your sins, that is. 
You get to forget those things. You get to forgive those things. You get to, I love this part, you get to forsake those things. You get to lay those things aside. You get to leave those things behind. You get to leave those things alone. You get to let them be. You get to let them go. I love this word. I love this verbiage. There ain't no wiggle room in here. You're stuck. You're stuck into being molded and shaped more into the character of Christ. When somebody does wrong by you, you've just got to overlook it. You got to let it go. Let it go. Let it go. You got to let it go. You got to let it go. Listen to me. You got to let it go. You don't want to end up your race walking around like this where you can't carry anything, where you can't do anything like you used to, where you're hobbling around, bent over. You can't look people in the eye. When you try to, you got to like lift your head up. You got to let those things go before they find a home in your heart and begin to form and shape who you become. You got to let those things go so that Jesus can forgive you of your sins, so that Jesus can wash you and make you right, make you whole, and make you clean. Let me show you this story. Go with me to Matthew chapter 18. This story illustrates the forgiveness that God has towards us, the kind of forgiveness that he wants you to walk in towards other people. In verse 21, Peter comes to Jesus and says, and I love, I love this story, I love Peter. I think we can all agree we all love Peter, don't we? Like I think if any of us could really say our favorite disciple was, it's a toss-up between Peter and John. John, because of his fake humility about always being the one that Jesus loved so much, and then Peter about just how much of a real human Peter was. Right? Peter was the guy that was always shooting his mouth off. Peter was the guy who cut off the servant's ear. Peter was the guy who when Jesus went up to heaven, he's like, I'm going back fishing. I don't know what's happening anymore. I can't figure this out. I'm out of here. Going back to my boats. Peter was just a real dude. And who doesn't love somebody who's just themselves? And if you can't find yourself in Peter, in the word of God, I don't know who you can relate to. Because I think there's a little bit of Peter in each one of us, to be honest. So Peter shows up. He says, hey, Jesus, I got a great question for you. Got a great question, Jesus. And he says this, how often, how many times should I forgive somebody? Seven times? I, I love this, right? I just love in our, in our 2023 year thinking, I love the idea of counting off seven times to forgive somebody. You're like, oh, you're done, man. Seven times, that's it. No more. I keep a note on my phone about how many times you have wronged me. You have reached the limits, and we're done, though. No more. Get out of my life. 
And the, the idea, it's not, it's not such a crazy thought. Like when you read it, remember, please, as you read the Bible, you have to keep it in context of the day and the age when it was written in. And so when this was written, back then, they believed that you had to forgive somebody three times. And this comes from the book of Amos, when God would, he forgave the nations three times, and the fourth time, they were punished for their sins. And so the thinking was, by the Jewish people, the thinking was that if God forgave somebody three times, and then he punished them, then we're no better than God, we're not greater than God, and so we can't go beyond God. And if he only forgave three times, then you only have to forgive three times. So that was the thinking. So here we are now, Peter shows up, and he's like, well, Jesus is here, Jesus is the son of God, I'm going to impress Jesus and say, should I forgive somebody not three times, not double three times, which is six? I'm going to go beyond that. Jesus, should I forgive somebody seven times? And Jesus is like, no, nah, man. Just, Peter, I love you, dude, but you're still not getting this. He says, you got to forgive somebody 70 times seven, which we know isn't a literal 490. Jesus was making a point. And to illustrate that point, he goes on and begins to tell a parable. And here's the parable. Verse 23 says, The kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. Now, for point of reference, New Living says millions of dollars. Amplified says $10 million. The Greek note actually says this. It is 10,000 talents. 10,000 talents, get ready, is, is equal to this. 375 tons worth of silver. 12 million ounces of silver. What's the math on that? <laughs> 12 million. It's a lot of zeros. The idea is... <laughs> okay, so this guy owed, let's say, $480 million. First of all, what kind of king is going to give you that credit? And then second of all, what kind of king is going to forgive that credit? And so the Bible says, this guy shows up and he says, you owe me a lot of money. I've been way too generous with you. I don't know what I was thinking. I was clearly in a good mood that day, and I gave you way too much. And in fact, it's time. He says, I want it back. The guy says this. Um, he couldn't pay in verse 25, so his master ordered that he be sold, like, like the dude be sold, and um, his wife and his kids and everything he owned to help pay this debt. The man in verse 26 falls down before his master and he begs him. He's like, please be patient with me. I'll pay it all, which is inconceivable. In this day and age, there was no way. I don't know how he spent that much money. I don't know. This guy was obviously like into betting or something, clearly. He had a gambling addiction or something because he spent a lot of money. He says, I'm going to pay it all off. Don't worry. And the guy, the, the king comes along and he, and he says this. His master was filled with pity for him and released him and forgave the debt. Just so we're all on the same page, this is a picture of God's mercy and forgiveness for us. There was a debt that we could never, ever, ever satisfy or pay. 
You're never going to be able to pay the debt that was required for the sin and the separation that you have. And God in his compassion and his mercy pays the debt for us and forgives us. Okay? Then going along, verse 28 says, but when the man left the king, so now we're talking about us as humans. We were just forgiven an insurmountable debt that was owed. Just completely wiped out. It wasn't like, sure, it wasn't like Revenue Canada, like, let's create a payment plan. We're going to pay me for the next 175 years, this much money every month. It says that the debt was forgiven and wiped out, no longer. And then it says, the servant leaves, and he left the king. He went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. And that actually is a hundred denarii, which was equivalent to one day's wage. He finds this guy, grabs him by the throat, and demands instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. He says, be patient with me and I'll pay it. So it, the exact same scenario is being played out again. Except this time, this guy is in the place of the king. He grabs him by his throat. He's like, you pay me. You owe me a day's wages. You pay me what you owe me right now. I want this money right now. The guy that owes the day's wages, which is nothing, begins to beg and says, be patient with me. Just like this man had just done himself. He says, be patient with me. I'll pay it. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant. I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. Verse 35 says, get ready, says this. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your hearts. I don't know if you're getting this or not. But there is no room in the kingdom of God for unforgiveness. There's no room. That word where it says to be tortured, the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured, is a Greek word, and it's basanastis. And it means one who applies torture, an inquisitor, or tormentor. Many of us are tormented in our life. Many of us are tortured in our life because we are refusing. We are choosing not to walk in forgiveness to other people, to people that we feel have betrayed us, who have done wrong by us, who have wounded us, who have stolen from us, who have broken things inside of us by their actions towards us, and we are choosing to walk in unforgiveness. And as you choose to walk in unforgiveness, you are carrying a weight and burden that is causing torment and torture inside of your heart and soul. 
And let me tell you, that is not the will of the good king who forgave our debts. I love the phrase here. He says this. He threw him into prison to be tortured. But until, until, until he paid his entire debt. Praise God for this. The fact of the matter is for you and for I, to pay our debt requires only this, forgiveness. There's not a monetary value that you've got to come up with to be released from the torment and the torture that unforgiveness is causing inside of your heart and soul. You just have to choose to walk in forgiveness to somebody else. You have to choose to release those hurts and those wounds. Yeah, but you don't know what this person did to me. You don't know what it's like in my life. You don't know how my wife treats me. You don't know how my husband treats me. You don't know what my kids are like. You don't know what my boss is like. You don't know what my neighbor is like. My neighbor is crazy and is making my life miserable. You don't know what this is like. You don't know what my banker's like. You don't know what this is. You don't know what that is. I do not. You're right. But what I do know is that we don't have the option to harbor unforgiveness on the inside of us if you want Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins. And I know that I know that I know that nobody here wants the Lord to not forgive them of their sins. In our hearts, we all want Jesus to forgive us which requires then that we walk in forgiveness to others. So then the last question here is this. How do you forgive somebody? How do you forgive somebody who has wronged you? And there are a million different variations of being wronged, isn't there? It's honestly like people spend time coming up with new ways to wrong other people. What did you do today? Oh, I found a new way to ruin somebody's life today. <laughs> of course you did. Of course you did. Because the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So there's a lot of different ways that you can be wronged. How do you forgive those people who have wronged you, who have wounded you, who have lied to you, who have hurt you, who have used you, who have abused you, who have beaten you, who have cheated on you. How do you forgive those people? The first place you start is when the Lord reveals to you that there is unforgiveness in your heart. When he shows you what's hiding in the cracks and the crevices in there, around the corners that you tried to hide, when he shows you those things, you have to choose to walk in forgiveness. You have to say, I see it. You pointed it out. You shone a light on it. I see it. And I choose to walk in forgiveness. I choose to begin this journey of forgiveness. Does it mean forgiveness happens instantly? No, it doesn't. And here's what I love. One of the things I love about the Lord, and I'm trying to go as fast as I can. I know I've talked a little bit longer, but just give me a couple more minutes. Here's what I love about the Lord. We talk about this story frequently, and it's the story of the guy who brought his demon-possessed son to Jesus, the one where the demon kept coming on him and kept trying to throw him in the fire or kept trying to throw him in water. 
that God brought his, his son to the disciples. The disciples couldn't cast out the demon. And so he shows up to Jesus, and they're having this conversation. And he says to Jesus, I, if, if you can do anything, if you can help me, do something. And Jesus says, what do you mean if I can do anything? And I love that response. He says, what do you mean if I can do anything? He says, all things are possible to him who believes. And immediately the man cries out and replies to Jesus, and he says one of the most fascinating statements to me and one of the most telling statements to us about the heart of God. He says to Jesus, Jesus says, all things are possible if you believe. Immediately the man cries out and he says, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. And what I love about this is it shows you that God is willing to take you on a journey. God recognizes where you're at in the moment, and he's willing to take your hand and walk with you along the road and the pathway to get you to where you're supposed to be. He's not afraid of your lack of unbelief. He's not afraid of where your belief stops. He's not afraid of any of those things. And quite, in fact, he's quite happy to walk the road together with you, increasing your faith, increasing your trust, increasing your ability to forgive others, and take you to where you're supposed to be. So the first place you have to start is you have to choose to forgive. And hang on now. Some of y'all need to walk in forgiveness towards yourself. That's a whole other message for a whole other day. But just right here, right now, it's, it's not always somebody else you have to forgive. Maybe there's things in your own life that you're saying, I gotta, I'm so disappointed with myself. I'm so ashamed with myself. I'm so ashamed at my behavior. I'm, I'm so ashamed of the things that nobody else knows but only me. You gotta choose to walk in forgiveness with yourself as well. Second thing you gotta do is you have to rely on the Spirit of God. You have to rely on the Holy Spirit. John chapter 20. Verse 22, Jesus, this is between when Jesus rose from the grave and when he's about to ascend into heaven. It's one of those great times when Jesus just showed up in a room where all the disciples were gathered. The door was closed and suddenly Jesus is in the room and they're all freaked out. Jesus is talking to them and he says this to them. Um, he says, I'm trying to just remember off the top of my head for, for the sake of time. He breathes on them and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. And then he begins to talk to them about forgiving sins. If you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven. If you don't forgive them, they're not forgiven. But it starts with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes in your life, sometimes you can just forgive somebody. Like, you know, if somebody like steps on your toe, you don't need the Holy Spirit to forgive them. If you need the Holy Spirit for that, we need to have a deeper conversation. <laughs> you might have some anger issues in your life. <laughs> but when you need the Holy Spirit, you just got to say, God, I need your strength to walk this out. God, I know that forgiveness doesn't always happen in a moment. God, I know that you need to take me from where I'm at to where I'm supposed to be. And so I'm choosing to trust in you. I am choosing to rely on your spirit to take me from where I'm at to walk through the other side so that I can forgive these people. You know, I love the Lord's Prayer. I was telling people in the first service this. Often when I pray the Lord's Prayer, 
I get to that section where it talks about forgive us our sins as we forgive those who've sinned against us. In that moment, in that section, I begin to pray, God, teach me to forgive people like you did. Teach me to understand what forgiveness looks like in my life. Help me to be a forgiving person like you were. Show me how to truly forgive people, not just to say I forgive them and to hang on to it, but to forgive and let go, to leave behind, to lay aside, to forsake, to really forgive like you forgive. Because you know, when the Lord forgives you, I don't know if you know this or not, but the Bible says that when the Lord forgives you of your sins, he takes them and removes them as far away as the east is from the west, which is the idea of one thing goes this way, another thing goes this way, and the two shall never meet again. And so when we forgive people of their sins, it's supposed to be the same way. I forgive and I let go. And whatever you did to me is gone. Yeah, we're having a party. Here's my last point. And then we're going to pray together. The last thing you got to do is you got to pray for them. Number one, you got to choose to forgive. When God shows you things in your life, when God shows you unforgiveness in your heart, you have to choose to forgive them. It's your choice. You have to choose to do it. The second thing is you got to rely on the Spirit of God. You've got to rely on the Holy Spirit to enable you to give you the grace to walk that out in your everyday life because sometimes it will be very hard to forgive those things that people have done to you. The third thing you got to do is you got to pray for them. You're like, you want me to pray for people? You want to pray for people who have wronged me? You want to pray for people who have hurt me? Absolutely. And you know what? Here's the great thing. It's not even me that wants you to do it. It's Jesus Christ himself. In Luke chapter 6, verse 27 and 28, it says this. But to you who are willing to listen, are you willing to listen to what Jesus is saying? Okay, great. So he says to you today, but to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who hurt you. Romans chapter 12, verse 14 says, bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Stand up with me. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up here. Do you want to say anything? Do you want to say something now? You know, as you were talking, I was thinking about how forgiveness shuts the door to the enemy. And you were saying that. You didn't say exactly like that, but that's what you're saying, part of what you're saying this morning. And it shuts the door to the enemy, church, because every time that we choose to forgive, we're applying the blood of Jesus in that situation. You know, and in the blood of Jesus, there's healing. Amen? In the blood of Jesus, there's freedom. In the blood of Jesus, there's health. You know, and I said this in the 9 o'clock service. I want to say it again. As parents, and for some of us grandparents, you're, you're raising your grandchildren. I'm, I'm very aware of that. You know, my parents are in that situation, too. It's incumbent upon us, you know, to live out the word of God. Proverbs says that a good man lays up an inheritance for his children's children. And we often reduce that just to money because that's what we think. Well, we got to save up money and give it to our family. But laying up an inheritance also looks like conversations of love and mercy around a dinner table. You know, so when your children say, can you believe they did that to me? It's like, you know what, let's pray about this. You know what? We're not going to talk about that because we're going to teach our children. We're going to teach our children or grandchildren to walk in love and mercy and forgiveness so that they can have an inheritance of freedom in their life. 
so that they can have an inheritance of healing in their life and of hope and of Jesus so then they can pass that on. Amen. I want to pray for, for us. So I want you to close your eyes with me. And I'm going to pray right now that God, by His grace, by His wisdom, and by His love, that He points out things in our heart, areas of unforgiveness that we've allowed to stay, roots of unforgiveness that maybe we plucked the top off of the flower of the roots, but the root is still in the soil of our hearts. And I'm going to ask in the name of Jesus that he begins to show you those things and he calls them by name so that there is no denying it, so that you can see for yourself. Father, I just thank you that you are showing us the hidden things in our hearts, the things that we have allowed to stay, the things that maybe we turned a blind eye to because we thought those people deserved it they didn't deserve forgiveness, that they deserved cold shoulders, that they deserved not talking, that they deserved being shunned, that they deserved the hatred that we feel towards them. And God, I just ask right now that you are shining a light into every area of our hearts, searching and showing us what is in there so that by your grace and by your strength we can root those things out once and for all and now I want you just to stay quiet for a moment and I want you to allow the Spirit of God to speak to you and just in your own voice in your own under your voice in your heart whatever I want you just to ask God to show you what's in there just say, God, is there anything inside of me that you want to show me right now? Is there any unforgiveness? And let's just listen for a second. It's so amazing how the Lord works sometimes things that you think are long gone and long forgotten but there's still some roots deep down inside of you and you'll know they're there because God will bring something to your mind and as soon as you think about it you're just like mm, I don't want to think about that I don't want to think about that person I don't want to think about that situation I'm going to pray next for us to let those things go because the first step when God shows you something is you have to choose to forgive. And I'm going to pray for us. Before I do, I want to ask you to take a bold step. 
I want, I'm going to ask you to take an honest step. Let's say it that way. If the Lord showed you something hidden in your heart, the deep recesses or the things that you thought were long gone, all I want you to do is slip up your hand right now. And we're going to pray together. Don't, I'm not going to ask you to come up here. I'm not going to lay hands on you. I'm just asking you to be honest with yourself and with the Lord right now. Because this starts with you choosing. And remember, if he showed you something and you were saying, nope, not today, I'm not forgiving this, then Jesus himself said, I can't forgive you. So put those hands up high and proud as a sign of I am surrendering. That's why we raise our hands. Raised hands are a sign of surrender to the Lord. And I'm going to pray for us right now. And I believe that all across this place, God is going to do what only He can do. Father, I thank You that as You look at our hearts and You see these hands that are raised, Jesus, we are all choosing right here, right now to walk in forgiveness. We are saying, we recognize what you've showed us. You've pointed something out to us. And now, Father, our response to you is, we choose to forgive. And I want you to say right now, and you don't have to say this out loud, but in your heart, in your spirit, I want you to say right now, either who or what you choose to forgive. Because there is power in saying things. There is power in releasing things. There is power in acknowledging things. And so, Father, with all these things that we are releasing today to you, Father, I thank you for the great power and the strength of the Holy Spirit to come into our lives once again and to enable us to walk through this forgiveness. God, I know that some of these things aren't easy to forgive. I know some of these things are gonna take a journey. They're gonna take time. But we are here today, Father, saying we are choosing to begin the journey of forgiveness. And I thank you, Father, that as we step out today saying we see what you're pointing out and we choose to respond, we choose to forgive, that we are inviting in your Holy Spirit power into our life that enables us to walk all the way through to victory on the other side. Father, I thank you, God, that we're not going to get to the end of our life bent over and weighed down by burdens that we were not meant to carry and that we can't carry, but we will be standing strong and tall and clear because of your forgiveness, your grace, your strength, and your life. We love you, Jesus. We're so thankful for the freedom that is found through you and in you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we all said, let's sing this song together. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you are drawn closer to Jesus and that his spirit, his love, and his life are filling you right now. If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more.
And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. And oh, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope.